Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that ponders the mysteries of the universe, asking himself, are we human or are we dancer? Ladies and gentlemen, here is the captain. Yeah, dancing my way into your hearts. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are sipping on this fine lager from Unplugged Brewing Company, Muni Lot Lager. It's a smooth, clean, and delicious lager with some malt and a little caramel. ABV 5% garage grade 4 out of 5 bottle caps. And you know who else is smooth and clean? Well, our garage friends right here. First up, a nice southern cheers to Melody in Pensacola, Florida. And a big we like your jib to Casey in Sunnyville. Texas. Here's a double cheers to Rudy and Adrian in beautiful Rancho Cordova, California. And a big shout out to Lindsay in Seattle, Washington. Next up, here's a cheers to Kelly in Mechanicsville, Virginia. And let's give a cheers to Kelsey in Keller, Texas. And last but certainly not least, Captain, we have Cheyenne and Jacob in Wichita, Kansas. Big ups and big thank you to everyone who contributed to this week's beer fund. Tall cans in the air. Yeah, B-W-W-R-U-N, Beer Run, and be patient, folks, because the you know, Beer Fund, we're behind. Light years behind. But, announcement for everybody in Parts Unknown, make sure you get your Halloween posters. They are on sale now, and a limited number of those are available, so that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer, let's talk some true crime. time of Kathy Namus murder, October of 2002, local authorities and officials were already aware of the embezzlement scandal going down at the fire department. One of the fire department's employees, as of that same month, had already been charged in the embezzlement scandal. This was Matthew Becker, who was the former fire department executive board treasurer. He was fired from the fire department after he admitted to police in an August 2002 interview that he had embezzled at least $3,500 from the fire department's account. The criminal complaint stated Becker stated that he did this because he needed the money and felt that the town of Elcho owed him the money because of the shit he put up with. Becker faced charges of felony theft, misconduct in public office, and possession of drug paraphernalia. Eventually, he pled no contest to felony misconduct in public office and was sentenced to four months in jail. The Wausau Herald reported on October 17th, quote, rumors have spread throughout this small town that the problems at the fire department and Namath's death, I wish they would put Namath's murder, may have been connected in some way, but police say they have so far found no link. Sheriff Dave Stegger admitted 
that anything was possible and said that investigators were weighing the embezzlement lead equally with other unrelated leads. But others downplayed the likelihood, dismissing any connection as local gossip. Elcho Town Chairman Richard Elson said to the newspaper, quote, my answer to that is that's extremely unlikely. Why would somebody get killed over a lousy few thousand dollars? My personal feeling has been all along that she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, a random act of violence in no way connected to the political situation in Elcho. Everything about this whole thing is strange. None of it makes any sense, which is even more unsettling to the locals. We are like any other small town. Things like this don't happen, end quote. Yeah, but why would anybody risk their job for a measly few thousand dollars? I mean, people have been killed for less. Now, David Namath, Kathy's husband, was charged in the embezzlement case, and later David was fired for this situation just three months after Kathy's murder. Ultimately, David was facing seven criminal charges, some of them felonies. Basically, David was illicitly paying himself out of the fire department's account, writing himself checks during the time period of 1999 to 2001, and then he lied about it to the embezzlement investigator. David pled no contest to theft, disorderly conduct, and obstruction in May of 2004. So David was on the take stealing money from the fire department fund over at least a three-year time period. Now, it's not clear how much he took, but the complaint states that in 2000 and 2001, he paid himself amounts in excess of that authorized by law. In other words, he paid himself more than his salary allowed. When the whole thing came out in late 2002, early 2003, he was fired as fire chief as well as criminally prosecuted. Despite David being charged, it does not seem that investigators were able to connect the embezzlement and Kathy's murder. They reached out to the FBI for assistance in the case and took suggestions on how to proceed with the investigation, but nothing was resolved and authorities were frustrated that they couldn't figure out or solve this murder. But there was something else here, Captain, in this case. Now, we have Lieutenant Baker who told the Wausau Herald one very important thing. Catherine Namath was a subject of the investigation Mm -hmm. as well. But Lieutenant Baker declined to speculate on whether she, too, would have been charged. And he pointed out that while the embezzlement's connection to Kathy's murder has always been rumored, no connection had ever been identified publicly, according to the Herald. Okay, so Kathy, our murder victim, not just her husband, David, was being investigated as possibly involved in the embezzlement scandal as well, which is more than fair because, as we're going to see, as I'm about to tell you here, she was, in fact, involved. That's right. She, alongside of her husband, was taking money from the Elcho Fire Department. We FOIA'd the complaint against David Namath, and as we just laid it out for you, it alleges that he overpaid himself for three years and then lied about it. Liar, liar. Fireman's pants on fire. Who else received excessive funds from the fire department? That's right. It was Kathy Namath as well. So Kathy and David co-signed a check written on the Elcho Fire Department's account on November 15th of 1999 in the amount of $1,500 payable to Kathy Namath. But that's not all. The complaint alleges that in 2000 and in 2001, David not only overpaid himself from the fund, but he was overpaying his wife as well. I guess there's a chance that maybe she was unaware of any of this, but to me, it doesn't seem very likely. It seems much more likely that she was simply involved in this whole situation. Well, and he could have started doing this and maybe she's in charge of the family's checkbook or maybe she went into the bank account and was like, well, we have a little bit more money than we should. Or wow, David made a little bit more money than he normally does and started questioning him 
And then he goes, well, yeah, I'm taking a little bit on the side, but hey, I'll give you some as well. Yeah, I'm not going to speculate on how she became involved or, or what went down. And look, it wasn't just the two of them. It's it's clear that there were several people that were not only aware of what was going on, but were involved and in on the take as well. Well, at least they're equipped to put out their pants on fire. So Kathy herself was being investigated in connection with the embezzlement scandal. And literally two days before she was supposed to talk Mm -hmm. to police, she gets murdered. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. But you just play one on TV. I don't usually like conspiracies in these types of situations because most of the time the, the simplest explanation is usually correct. But this is just too big of a coincidence to to dance around it, right? It's too big of a coincidence to not take a look at it and throw it under the microscope and say, okay, are these things related? And then one thing that's very difficult to believe is that Kathy just happened to be killed less than 48 hours before the meeting where she was supposed to go and tell police what was going on. When she was being investigated, Captain, she told police, look, I I will cooperate and I will tell you everything that I know. Right Now, that could have just been saving face or that could have just been making herself look good in the course of that investigation. We don't know because she never got the chance to speak with them to tell them whatever she was intending to tell them. She was killed instead. Well, and they haven't been transparent in her involvement, like you said, and the embezzlement. We don't know because she was not charged. So there is a possibility. Your husband is the chief. If he says, hey, come into my office, I I have this check and I need you to sign it. Well, what's it for? And he gives her some hook, line, and sinker, and she buys it, and then he cashes the check. She might not have been, like you said, we, we don't know what her level of involvement was or how much she knew. And maybe she had a bunch of questions herself, and once she's now going to trial, or going to this meeting to say, hey, this is what I know and this is what I've seen going on. This could be the nail in her husband's coffin and other people's coffin. And there would be reason for somebody to not want her to talk. And again, when people say, well, it's just a few thousand dollars. No, you, you possibly could go to prison. And on top of that, you're losing your job which is your livelihood. Right. And the thing that I think that is difficult here, though, when we when we analyze the murder or however this went down, whoever's responsible or why it happened to begin with, you, you weigh that against the other things that are going on, right? Especially when you have this embezzlement thing that's so close to the murder investigation. But it's one of those things that I, I kind of lean a little bit more toward what the local chairman was saying as well, that, it's not a ton of money. It's just a couple of thousand dollars. She seems to have been involved herself. The charges themselves don't carry with them lengthy prison sentences. We're talking about months in jail and fines that would be paid. Of course, any of these things are uncomfortable and things that nobody wants and consequences that probably nobody wants to face. But it seems awfully risky to me to jump from what would be felony charges that are ultimately reduced to misdemeanor charges and and misdemeanor type consequences to something as premeditated murder. And so I, I tend to share some of the same feelings that the, the chairman was stating there. Now that doesn't mean that they're not connected in some form or fashion. They absolutely could be. There's also some rumor that possibly drug money may have been involved. Now this could be this could push this to a heightened level here. So this might get a little complicated here. So I am going to ask that you bear with me. There okay, was a, fine, we will. There's a local drug dealer in the Langled County named Daniel J. Zahn. All right. In March of nineteen ninety nine, the county authorities received an anonymous tip that a large drug transaction was about to go down at the Kempster Inn Tavern. Police staked out the area and pulled over a drunk driver. Her name was Denise Ennertson, who proved to have marijuana on her person. She had gotten it, she said, from a David Zahn, whom she met earlier at that Kempster Inn Tavern. 
according to Denise, Zahn told her that he had at least a pound of marijuana in his possession and he had been dealing in the area for over a year. She had seen large amounts of pot at his house and purchased from him in the past. This was enough for the county deputies to get a search warrant for Zahn's house where they found a bunch of pot. They arrested Zahn. Now, Zahn would not give up his sources, meaning the persons who sold him the bulk amounts of marijuana that he turned around and then sold to private individuals and smaller transactions. He pled guilty to possession with intent to distribute. Before too long, it became apparent who Zahn's sources were. Zahn had been getting his supply from two Milwaukee-based dealers. These are partners named Donald Kostelski and Brian Schnarsky. Old Schnarsky. He admitted this in a court, well, in this area, Captain, there's going to be a lot of skis. Skeet, skeet. He admitted this in a court proceeding on July 31st, 2003. Kostelski and Schnarsky operated out of Milwaukee, but also had a local apartment that was the hub of their Langled County distribution network. Police put together a case against Kostelski for being the supplier for the 1999 deal that had resulted in Zahn's arrest. In March of 2005, a criminal complaint was filed against Kostelski, charging him with possession with intent to deliver. Eventually, he pled out to recklessly endangering public safety in January of 2008. All he got for this was two years probation. Okay, so what would this have to do with Kathy Namath and her murder? As said, it's a little complicated, but Kaskowski would end up facing more charges, and they were related to Kathy's case. So let's back up and explain a little bit. To try to get to the bottom of whether Kathy's case and the embezzlement case were related, investigators held a series of closed secret hearings. We've discussed this in some other cases that we've covered. It's a pretty rare thing here, but it does go down, and these are called John Doe hearings. The WSAW News 7 says that these hearings, quote, they're typically used when an investigation is being thwarted or impeded and can be used to force witnesses to testify in a secret hearing. It helps us get testimony or information from people who may not be willing to come forward. Closed-door hearings on Kathy's homicide case were held by the district attorney starting on January 24, 2008. But the purpose, scope, and outcome of these hearings has never been made public. There was clearly some connection being explored between Kathy's case and the drug dealing going on in the area. The FBI and the Wisconsin Department of Justice and Division of Criminal Investigation were all cited in these matters. So some bigger agencies being involved and somewhat loosely tied to Kathy Namus' case. We were able to find out about these closed-door hearings only by FOIA request. And this was based off of criminal perjury charges that stemmed from one of the drug dealers, Donald Kostelski, lying under oath at these hearings. A drug dealer and a liar? Imagine that. Wow. I only trust a truthful, honest drug dealer. I only get my drugs from honest drug dealers. And with the with the current state of marijuana and pot and all that, it, it almost like these things Seems almost silly. seem a little silly to yeah. go back and kind of circle around them like vultures, but but it's important to this case. So Kostelski, the dishonest drug dealer, uh, was called to testify as an unwilling witness. And he is fresh off of his 2008 conviction, that reckless endangerment conviction that we spoke of. And he lied his ass off on the stand. We don't have transcripts as they are all under seal. And we certainly don't know most of what was testified to. But we do know that on the stand, Kostelski was asked about whether he had ever hunted in Langlade County. Okay, so the Department of Natural Resources records showed that he had. Yeah, you can't handle the truth. They also wanted to know if he owned a gun and whether he had ever sold drugs to Dan Zahn. 
And on the stand, Kostelsky was asked if he had ever sold drugs to Matthew Becker. Remember that name? He was the guy that was already being charged in the embezzlement scandal at the same time that Kathy Namath was murdered. Yeah, skeet, skeet. So Matthew Becker was the first employee of the Elcho Fire Department to be charged in the embezzlement scandal in 2002. He was a co-worker of Kathy and David Namath. Kostelsky denied selling drugs to Becker, but authorities had plenty of witnesses, including Becker's wife, who said that this, in fact, did happen. Got him. So Becker was getting his drugs from the same person Daniel Zahn was getting his supply from, Donald Kostelsky. Why were this prolific local drug dealer, was. Donald Kostelsky, and his partner Brian Schnarsky called to testify at hearings trying to get to the bottom of Kathy Namus' murder? Well, we know that Kathy was on the verge of talking to investigators about the whole embezzlement ring. And Matthew Becker, her co-worker, was involved in that along with her and was also connected to the drug dealers. But there's more. Kostelsky and Schnarsky were also connected to David Namath, her husband. This is from the same news outlet that we've cited all day and all day yesterday. And their report says, Deputy John Schunk says, investigators have looked at the case every which way possible. They even took advantage of a court proceeding known as John Doe hearings. During the secretive proceedings, prosecutors found that two men, who they asked to testify, and who knew David Namath were not being truthful. Investigators believe they know more than they are letting on. Kathy may have known these people. Obviously, we can't completely confirm that, Shunk said. The pair were buddies of Matthew Becker's, and police say had knowledge of the Elcho area, having spent time there hunting. Police say they have a theory as to why Kathy was murdered, but without enough evidence to charge anyone with her murder, they won't say what their theory is. Yeah, that's pretty good. That news release to me, Captain, is incredibly interesting because what were they saying before all of these court proceedings was that we're not sure who murdered her or why. Yeah. But then after these court proceedings and after they become aware of these two drug dealers that were known to hunt in this area and then later lied about any knowledge of the area, being in the area, hunting in the area, owning guns. Got them guns, son. Now police are saying we have a theory, but without any evidence, without enough evidence to charge someone, we're not comfortable with presenting what our theory is as to why and how Kathy Namath was murdered. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash 
garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, it's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Cheers to you, Wisconsin! Cheers to everybody in the back and the front. And everybody around the campfire. Cheers. So this newer information tells us that authorities seem to believe that there was, in fact, some connection between David, Kathy, Mm -hmm. Matthew Becker, and the drug dealers. These guys, the drug dealers, had guns and frequented the area and are, in fact, sketchy criminals. But we have no idea what, if anything, was uncovered Because the information has never been made public. We don't know the relationship between these men and David, and we don't know whether they knew Kathy or she knew them. Well, it seems to me like this embezzlement was a little more in-depth than just, oh, I took some money here and there, slap on the wrist. There, There could have been more involved. There's been whole police departments that are stealing drugs, stealing evidence, when they arrest somebody, if there's money on that person, they just take the money and then use that money to have drug houses. So where it seems like it's just a simple, 
oh, I'm overpaying myself here and there, it could be way more complex than that. Possibly. But what I see when I look at this thing is a situation where it very likely could simply be that David and Kathy were embezzling money. So the tie between the the two drug dealers and Becker is this middleman, Zahn, who is a much lower level drug dealer. So you have this situation where multiple people are embezzling money and are aware of what everybody's doing, but you may have some people in that circle. I believe it was a total of five people that they were investigating for the embezzlement, Kathy included, but you may have two of them, David and Kathy, who were just simply paying themselves a little extra, taking a little off the top where this Becker character may have been involved in some other situations outside of that. His tie to the Namaths is that he's involved in this embezzlement scandal as well. Right. Now, what we do know is that Kostelsky and Schnarsky were both prosecuted for perjury after those John Doe hearings. Mm -hmm. They both lied on the stand, and the DA knew that they were lying and ended up proving it. Well, Schnarsky is a known liar. So Kostelsky was prosecuted for perjury, a felony, and convicted in September of 2010 after agreeing to a plea agreement for two years probation. Pursuant to the plea agreement, per WSAW News, a judge ordered him to tell the truth to investigators or risk going to prison. There was a new sheriff that took over in that county, and this is Sheriff Greening, who says that he doesn't know exactly how Kostelsky may have been involved in Kathy Namus' murder, but he does think that he has information. So the new sheriff not necessarily saying that this Kostelsky character right. committed the murder, mm-hmm. but the sheriff is on record as stating he's pretty confident that Kostelsky knows something, has some kind of information that the sheriff's department does not have. Now, your buddy, Captain Brian Schnarsky, hey, was oh. prosecuted as well. And you were right. He, he is a liar. and the court of law says so right he was found guilty of perjury after a jury trial and as a condition of his probation was required to give a dna sample again this all ties back to the kathy namath murder right now i couldn't find this is what i wanted to figure out was kostelsky the other liar pants on fire was he was a part of his conditions of the plea agreement to give a DNA sample as well? I'm guessing so. I would think so. And that makes sense in this case because what we learn in Kathy Namus' murder investigation relatively quickly after this or about the same time is that they do confirm. We suspected it at the beginning of the investigation, but it was later confirmed that, in fact, they did have suspect DNA in her murder. This comes from a February 2007 news report that stated that Wisconsin State Crime Lab was able to isolate a male DNA profile from evidence found at the Kathy Namath murder scene. Now, whether this was DNA on the knife, remember they recovered the knife, uh, the knife handle. Yeah, or this, or on her person because she put up a fight. That's right. Or blood. You know, maybe they found some blood that they could confirm was not Kathy's at the scene. As you said, put up a fight. Maybe there's maybe perhaps DNA under her fingernails. Well, in this case, if I'm law enforcement, right, I'm looking at this case. I go, look, how many people are going to know where her parents' cabin is located, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the first. Now... We, we have people saying, look, nobody knew she was going to go out there that night. And then we have this embezzlement thing that's connected with her husband. Look, if this guy's willing to steal a little bit of money from his work and because he, he thinks he, he earned it or whatever reason, if he's willing to steal and lie, maybe he's willing to cheat on his wife. Who knows? But if I'm law enforcement and I'm coming into this case, I have all those questions right away. Okay, now we have a victim that struggled with her attacker, with her murderer, and we have physical evidence. First person I'm testing 
is her husband. And what we have here, Captain, is the new sheriff, Bill Greening, told the media in late February of 2007 that the sheriff's department had already conducted 12 samples, or I'm sorry, had already collected 12 samples from, quote, persons of interest for comparison to the suspect DNA sample that they had. Now, by March of 2008, so about one year later, they go on record, the sheriff's department goes on record saying that 24 persons had been compared to the suspect sample with no luck. So we've we've tested 24 people, collected their DNA, and tested it against what we have, the suspect DNA, and we've not been able to make a match yet. Now, the sheriff did say that that 24, the 24 samples that they had, included some persons of interest, but did also include some emergency personnel who were responding to the scene, right? You got to do your due diligence and make sure you clear them so that you're actually testing and comparing for suspect DNA. Yeah, it makes sense. And as you said, Captain, look, we have David Namath, and I don't have every bit of information on where he was, what he was up to, but it seems to me he must have an ironclad alibi because we know that Kathy radioed about a scruffy looking man who she didn't know who it was. And then later David is responding to the scene with their son. They must know where he was and feel confident about where he was prior to him arriving at the murder scene. Yeah. But just to do your due diligence, I think you would test him as well. Oh, yeah. because I'm 100. He, he's there before emergency workers are there. So if you're going to test them, why not test him as well? Correct. I'm not suggesting you don't. I'm I'm just saying that they. I think we could com- presume that, yes, they have, that they have right. tested I him. agree. I agree. Then let's circle back to the drug dealers because this is going to kind of come full circle. Well, we wish that it would go full circle. Maybe we'd have some answers. But in 2008, there was a tip. In February of 2008, Dan Zahn, the drug dealer from the 1999 deal, contacted the sheriff's office with a tip. Dan Zahn told officials that he had information about the Kathy Namath murder and who was involved. So they set up a meeting to talk in person on February 22nd. Unfortunately, Zahn died before this meeting. According to all the reports that we could find, Zahn passed away from quote-unquote, natural causes at the age of 42 on February 20th. Perhaps he was ill. Someone posted on a message board that he had cancer and might have wanted to clear his conscience before passing, but then passed before he could do so. The timing is really interesting to me. I mean... You think he could have wrote it down or something? Well, not only that, like, why not meet with them as soon as possible. Right. I mean, right. I, I'm not, I don't want to question anybody and, or what they were doing and maybe they didn't take him serious. Who knows? Maybe he didn't have good information. We don't know because he was unable to deliver the information, but it's just weird to me that, that these things seem to be that something like this happened and this thing, whatever information he was going to give to them could have broke this case wide open. Now, The sheriff's office did do their due diligence by going out and getting a search warrant and seizing his computer, his camera, and other items from his home the day after he died. If they found anything Mm -hmm. on of interest, it's not been released to the public. So just to sum that up, Dan Zahn, the drug dealer connected to the other drug dealers, connected to the Namaths, through an unknown relationship, but through this Becker guy that they worked with. Basically through the embezzlement. He said he had information about Kathy's death, but di- but died before he could relay it. So it, anyone's guess is a good guess as to what information he was going to give to authorities. But, but doesn't this kind of prove it in your mind that her death is connected to this embezzlement. I feel like I I don't know that the embezzlement is the catalyst for her murder. I think it's probably just one more thing that's involved in, in something else that we may not be entirely aware of 
that somebody in this circle is involved in. Now, not to throw a, a big fat wrench into the whole thing, but I found this to be an interesting angle here, Captain. We'll try to throw a medium-sized wrench. Someone posted on a Wisconsin website, and this is this is uh, what they posted. It says, Kathy Namath's murder investigation wasn't conducted properly and is being revisited. The hardest part of the investigation includes tracking down the people who were partying up at one of the cabins on Loon Lake that weekend. They were never questioned to begin with, so tracking down who they were has been incredibly difficult. So this makes it sound like one of the cabins up at Loon Lake that weekend, if this anonymous tipster or poster is correct and being truthful and has good information, Mm-hmm. that there was some kind of party going on at one of those cabins. And this person seems to have reason to believe that these people were not investigated, not questioned right away after the murder. And so now that the case is being revisited, remember we do have a new sheriff in town that tracking down anybody that could have been there that night or in that general area is incredibly difficult because this is years after the fact. And not to go like too far off base, but this kind of reminds me of of something maybe like Bundy would do in the sense of like, oh, if I'm going to go up and hang out with my buddies and we're going to party here, I'm now around this small lake that has all these other occupants. I mean, it's pretty far-fetched. I'm just saying that's basically what it seems like this internet poster is or this internet sleuther is um presenting is that somebody at the party is responsible for her murder yes somebody at one of these parties or and then you gotta wonder like okay if you can tie these drug dealers to that area which it sounds like the prosecutor did that's how they got the perjury convictions is it crazy to think that they weren't there for a multitude of reasons Right, that they're there because of Kathy, or they're there because of this party, and and didn't really know Kathy at all. I mean, it gets, it's a very confusing, murky situation, and it's it's a situation where they've not released a lot of information, so it makes it very difficult to to really kind of grab a hold of a theory and run with it. Like I think there's a lot of good theories out there. The husband could have been involved. You always got to consider that, and then you you put the icing on the cake with the husband that he's involved in illegal activity anyway with the embezzlement scandal. But then again, I I keep going back to, it's not a ton of money. Kathy's involved. Another guy, the investigation was already like very active so much so that another dude was already charged. Right. So it almost seems to me like if you were looking to cover up the embezzlement thing to begin with or to silence Kathy Namath, that you would have done it well before this day. That it seems a little late in that ball game to be taking her out to shut her up. Well, what's interesting in this case to me is that they tested all these individuals for the DNA, and I, and I think it's very responsible to go, hey, we're going to test the emergency responders so we know that, okay, we know whose DNA is on her. So I think law enforcement has to be sitting pretty and going, hey, we have – DNA that we believe is 100% the killer of Miss Namath. So if they have that, why not start testing that DNA and, and put it through the systems and, and maybe you find you know, a relative of somebody? Or- well, that wouldn't be putting it through the system, but I hear you. Yeah, the, I would guess that by this point they've already put it through CODIS, and that would be the system. So that would be right, connecting right. it to any known offender DNA that you already have on file. So put it through that system, which we don't have any statement. You're right, Captain. We don't have any statement that says, in fact, that they did that. I'm guessing that they would have once they've already started testing EMT workers and people that responded to the scene and then persons of interest. But you're right. This, If you do think that she was targeted, I keep circling back to the idea that there wouldn't have been a ton of people that would have known that she would have been there at yes, that time yes. on that day. So your suspect list cannot be that long if you're really locked in on that theory. 
And now you have at least 24 people that you've cleared as far as not being a match to the DNA. Well, but if I'm law enforcement, this this case is frustrating because there's not a ton of information. I mean, you know, maybe there's way more behind closed doors that we don't know about. This has gone on for so long, and it's pretty popular case, at least in that area, known around Loon Lake. Test the DNA. Well, and we are sitting here recording this episode in the garage exactly 19 years to the day that she was murdered. So 19 years have gone by, and I don't know that we're any closer to this than we were at the initial stages of the investigation. The thing that I think is a real big kick in the in the pants here the is that this grundle. Dan Zahn passed away, right. and apparently he had some kind of information that he felt was necessary to pass along to police. Literally, literally 19 years. And Perkins. The thing with this case, Captain, was I was excited to look into this one because I was suspicious of the husband because I was aware of the embezzlement scandal on the surface. I was aware that he was involved and then quickly learning that she was involved as well made that angle of it. Not so uh, of such great importance to me. I really thought that what we would be able to see here is take a look at him and his son responding to the scene, what her words were on that radio transmission and basing that off of, look, if you're responding to the scene and you you killed her or right. you had someone kill her, it's not ideal that she's still alive once first responders are showing up and may be able to give up the goose, right? And so I wanted to be able to look at that situation and that portion of this case and be able to rule him in or out. But it looks like even with the information that we've talked about for the past hour or so, I'm nowhere closer to knowing whether he was involved or not. Like you said back in the last episode, I think his alibi is probably pretty solid. And then also by him taking his son, to me that leans more towards innocent because you have the possibility if you were involved somehow or she recognized the person and that person was connected back to him that she, if she was still alive, she would be, she would have the capability of giving that information to her son. And it's really unclear about the information that she was able to tell her husband or not tell her husband. You know what I mean? We have to sit here and go, well, were the authorities just kind of taking his word for it? that he arrives on the scene and she says, yeah, I, I don't know who the guy was. I didn't, you know, I didn't recognize him. I don't know who, who my attacker right. was. Or did she say, Hey, I recognize who the person was and her husband knows that he's connected loosely to this embezzlement that, and that ties him together with this person. And so he doesn't say anything to protect himself. The other thing too, is we have the statement of police saying that it appears to them that, or they have evidence. It's not that it appears to us. We have evidence that she was running from her attacker and that put up a big fight and tried to get away from him doing everything she could. You know, it sounds to me like things were disturbed in the area that would give them evidence that she was fleeing this guy. And I know that when you look at footprints and compare footprints, you can tell when somebody's running rather than walking And the other thing you would have is you would have his footprints running after her to kind of confirm that what we don't have is we have very bad reporting on, and this is no one's fault because it's not the police's job to distribute this information to everyone, but we don't have great reporting about the crime scene itself. Right. It's the reporter's fault. We're told. Yeah. But they, what information are they going to get if the police won't tell them anything? What what we have here is we have the statement of, well, we don't think she made it into the cabin. We don't think that the cabin was burglarized. We think that she fled the attacker, that there was some kind of chase involved. But we have really no information when it comes down to the crime scene itself. That's what I really wanted to get my hands on in this situation. I wanted to know about her vehicle. 
When she sees this weird dude, we know that there was something off-putting about him or his actions or his look or whatever that was alarming enough to her that she felt the need to radio out to everyone. But why not jump in your vehicle and flee the scene? Why not try to barricade yourself inside the cabin? Or hide behind the chainsaw? Why did those things not happen? Maybe she attempted to do one or both of those in the course of being attacked. It's Again, we just don't have enough information about the murder scene to really come to any type of strong conclusions in this case. It's, it's really a sad case. And I, what I'm hoping is that the sheriff, the current sheriff is correct and right. that DNA will solve this case. And thank God that they do seem to have suspect DNA in this case, because it might be the only thing that they do have. You know, I'm hoping that this case does not go cold. There's not been a ton of movement on it in the recent years. And regardless of the embezzlement or whatever, look, none of us are perfect angels. <clears throat> but whatever happened to Kathy was horrible and despicable. And whether it was random or targeted, it's very sad. There likely is a very bad man on the loose that's capable of stabbing someone to death. want to thank you guys so much for joining us here in the garage and joining us every week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and make sure you check out our website, True Crime Garage, for everything true crime. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading? How about a little recommended listening, Captain? Look, we were off a couple of weeks ago and I got several emails from some of our beautiful weekly listeners that said, hey, where's this week's episode? True Crime Garage is my favorite podcast, and I don't have anything to listen to. And my reply was the same each time. Sent them the following questions. Are you subscribed to our other show, the show that is sweeping the nation off the record? Next week, we are releasing off the record episode number 140, 140 episodes. So not only do you get a new off the record episode every other week, but you'll also have a back catalog of well over 100 episodes to listen to. Make sure you check out Off the Record. You can find that by going to truecrimegarage.com, click on the Off the Record link, and start listening today. Thanks to everyone for joining us this week here in the garage. Cheers to you, Captain. Cheers to all the wonderful listeners out there. Make sure you join us back here next week for a new case. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't listen. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.